Ladies and gentlemen, we're here. I'm part of the click, isn't everybody? <laughs> yes! 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 I, I got an idea, yeah. Peter John Cena! Give me a hell yeah! I pull a little bit of the bubbly. Too sweet! <laughs> <laughs> episode is scheduled for one fall, and it is for your listening pleasure. This is In The Click. What's up, everybody? Baby Huey here, back at it for a very special episode of In The Click, and joining me is someone I've been wanting to talk to for a very long time. He's one of the hosts for the Fight Game Podcast, John LaRocca. How's it going, John? It's going great, man. I'm I'm so excited to be on your show. I've uh, you know, I've been listening to you for a long time, or bit, you know, as you know, growing up in the Bay Area, you know, San Jose, uh, yeah, you know, the bone of you know, Baby Huey and everything. And I seen you at APW shows, so this is is a treat for me, man. And I I appreciate you having me on. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, so just a little backstory, just kind of uh, peel the the curtain a little bit. So uh, you know, I follow you on social media, like I I heard so much about you and we'll get into um everything you do with the podcast but yeah we, we, we could touch on real quick just now just um for anyone who follows you on twitter we see in your little bio as well it says you know a former booker for apw uh from 2008 to 2012 and then once again from 2016 to 2019 and uh so for me in the last few years you know attending more independent wrestling shows apw specifically I've heard, yeah, so much about you from other people, word of mouth. And so, you know, that's when I started following you on social media. And to, to, to be completely frank, like, I, I love your, like, live tweeting of various wrestling shows. And I, I, like, I love the way you analyze stuff. And I love even, like, sometimes you'll watch stuff live, but I love even when you watch stuff maybe, like, later than everyone else. So it's like, I feel like when the dust has settled, and everyone, the show's over and everyone's like gone quiet. You're like the one voice that's like stands out like afterwards. And I'm like, so I'm like in real time trying to refresh and wait for like your next tweet, analyzing a, a particular match from a, a pay-per-view or something. And I just love your commentary. I feel like you're, you're very, uh, analytic of, you know, different matches, but you, you'll bring up stuff that no one else will talk about or mention. And I'm like, that's a great viewpoint or way of looking at it. And so like, I really over time really appreciate, uh, you know, everything you've been saying, you you know, how you analyze stuff, you talk about stuff. And so, um, it, it's been really fun to, to talk about. So, uh, no, thank you for just doing that. And so needless to say, you know, I, I DM'd you recently and I said like, I love your commentary. I think it was AEW full gear, uh, mm-hmm. that particular pay-per-view, of uh, the very stuff that you were, you know, talking about each match and stuff. And I was like, I got to say something. Like, I just got to compliment him. I, I love 
what you've been saying because everyone else was saying this and that and i was like everyone's saying the same thing but you were saying some different stuff and i was like it's actually true and so then you and i started a conversation that way and then uh when there's opportunity you know for us to record it i was like hell yeah let's do this because like i want people to hear your voice and like the way you talk about stuff and i think you know hopefully moving forward is something we could do on a regular basis and and just to be uh you know fully uh, uh transparent with the listeners out there and the clicksters um you know like listen everyone who knows within the click we you know analyze raw smackdown nxt even nxt uk now we did impact in the past aew and you know listen we focus on each show and the pay-per-views and we're analyzing match after match breaking it all down and i miss just having more like open-ended conversations about you know a handful of topics and just having a fun dialogue very much like you would hear like on sports talk radio and so uh, I figure I did, I did this a couple months ago with Tim from pro wrestling unlimited and that was a lot of fun. So I figure let's have you on, let's kind of do like a similar format and just talk about some recent events in wrestling and, and just talk about some other stuff. And, uh, like I said, I can't thank you enough for making the time tonight. Yeah, no, man, I'm excited. And like I said, I, I every time I think about you and I think about the bone specifically <laughs> is that 20 years ago, I still with the same company I work for now, but 20 okay. years ago, I was grinding in the warehouse, you know, just getting my foot in the door. And I call it the great radio wars of like 2000, where <laughs> one side of the warehouse of the bone, the other side had like more of a hip hop station. And like, okay. each, each second we kept raising the, raising the volume, raising the volume, raising the volume. We're like, and then people are getting heated and getting you know, arguments going on. I mean, people were turning off certain radios. They, oh they radios walk by, just turn it down. And so finally, my boss comes out, finally, finally makes a stand, like after two weeks of this, just drama. And he goes, <laughs> we're listening to The Bone, and that's it, because I like The Bone. And that was it, dude. And from then on, it was The Bone in our warehouse for a long time. Oh, my God. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, to, uh, God, I mean, um, so, like, uh, I just turned 37 on Saturday. And so, uh, and then this past August, I got an email, like, from our, our like, uh, uh, our, our CEO and it was like one of those generic emails, but it was like, uh, Hey, it's the anniversary of your start date. And it was like, congrats on being with the company for 15 years. So I was like, wow, this past August was 15 years for me wow. at wow. the bone. And it's like, congratulations, man. Thank you. But it's like all the stories and stuff I got to experience. And, uh, I was telling you off the air. So I just recorded a podcast with uh, my buddy Philip, uh, who who does help out with AEW reviews for In the Click, but he has an awesome wrestling podcast called The Bullet Cast, and he wanted to kind of know about my history in radio. And I told him, man, I'm like, I'm that point now, or I have my own set of stories now. I've been in this radio game for long enough that I have my own stories and experiences. Like before, like I was a young guy, and I was always listening to the older coworkers. And I was like, man, I wish I had some stories to talk about. Now I'm at that point now. So it's just, um, so yeah, in the last 15 years, I've seen so much, just how much radios change and evolve. And so, no, I appreciate, uh, your boss for, uh, switching the dial and keeping it on the bone. <laughs> so very cool. Uh, yeah, I was dying to share that story with you because I was, I, was, I always talked about that story just to like, and at work history at our work, I always talk yeah. about now I go back in the warehouse. I'm, and now I'm the old guy, right? I walks in the warehouse and talks to the guys. I'm like, oh, yeah, man, these be wars out here, the radio and everything. Just uh, one little story there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's great. So um, before we kind of get through some uh, various uh, wrestling topics and discussion, I like to uh, you know have some like icebreaker questions for uh, sure. new guests on the show. Uh, and these are, you know, I, I think very fun. They're simple, but they're fun. And it, I've, I've done this with. 
um, with Evan from Dark Side of the Ring and some other people I've talked to on this podcast. And it's always great to hear everyone's answers are always different. Uh, so we have three icebreaker questions that we always like to throw out there. So uh, first question, just who's your all time favorite wrestler? Oh, man, when I was a kid, yeah, it was it was a total package Lex Luger. <laughs> really? OK, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Who I still will. If I was if I always give a top 10 when someone asking me my top 10, I always have Lex Luger as number 10 because I will never let him leave because <laughs> that love is, like, you know, that 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 just that that melancholy love as a kid when you first started watching wrestling. And I I saw Hogan and Savage before him, but like, okay. he stood out for me because he just looked like a Greek God. Right. And yeah. then, uh, and, uh, but, but my all time after just watching is just, just the man, Ric Flair. I mean, I yeah. love everything he did. Um, his matches are great. Um, I, I just, he just like, he just felt like a champ. He really, to me, he was the first guy that felt like the champ. Yeah. You know, so yeah. that's why I just really, kind of gravitated to him and still today i will like if i see a flare match i haven't seen i'll, I'll watch it like right away you know? nice yeah yeah I feel like i've seen them all though i don't know what's out there but there is something <laughs> that's out there that i haven't seen you can send it to my to my twitter and i'll yeah. watch it yeah yeah dude i was just uh like i said i was doing another podcast before talking to you and uh the question was who was your first wrestling interview and mine i was trying to think off the top of my head and i said okay my first like in-person interview was rick flair oh, wow. like where to like as far as like starting out to start out with the goat like i was telling him like this was six years ago at backstage at sap center promoting wrestlemania and i was like panicking because like you know this is you know six years ago but i'm like oh my god like all these memories of watching him you know on nitro and you know old nwa stuff and just wcw programming and it's like oh my god i'm gonna talk to this guy finally and but he was super nice, super chill. Um, and at that time, he was really focusing, talking about, you know, he's like, my daughter's getting into wrestling now, Charlotte. And I was like, oh, okay. I mean, little, you know, jump ahead six years later, look where she is, yeah. one of the greats right now. But uh, no, awesome, Ric Flair. Uh, but no, Lex Luger, I, I, I do like that. I mean, uh, uh, so which era are we talking about? Are we talking about when he was like, when Vince was trying to make him like the next Hogan? Or, or are you talking about like when he went like to WCW or even before that? Before that, this is like right after um, he was just he just he's a babyface already turned on the Horseman. He's already a babyface okay. now. Yeah, yeah. So I got into like late '88. Okay. And see, I first started watching WWF. My friend okay. got me in, in uh, elementary school, and then he's like, we watched the Survivor Series '88, and then we watched the Royal Rumble '89, and he's like, do you want to come by next month to watch? nwa and i'm like what's that he's like oh it's like wwf more, more real that's what he said and i'm okay, like yeah more real like what's you know and so we watched this house i just saw this guy multiple times press slam barry windham in the air and i'm just like holy cow this guy is great <laughs> and then he turned like heel in june of 89 on rick steamboat one of the greatest heel turns ever and he just rips his shirt off and just flexes and i'm like yeah as a kid i like the baby faces but i'm like i'm still with this guy <laughs> I'm still with this guy right here. <laughs> and um, from then, and he had an awesome run 89, I would say. Yeah. And he gets a lot of flack. I mean, let's, I mean, and a lot of it's well-deserved, you know, especially later on. I think, you know, he you know made a lot of money and maybe didn't really work as hard as, you know, as he probably should have. But yeah, but 89, I mean, as his heel run, he was fantastic. And they yeah. were building some stuff. And, and unfortunately, Steen got hurt in 90. Mm. Because they were really building the Sting winning the title in a big Luger versus Sting matches in '91, but yeah, 
things didn't work as things didn't worked out that way. But um but yeah, no, he's he's uh he's always been great. I think he's always had like a little bad luck, like you know, uh Vince holding off his WWF world title reign to WrestleMania instead of doing it at SummerSlam ninety three and then <laughs> They put him over in that count out victory of Yokozuna, which yeah. got over like a popcorn fart. When I mean, anytime you have a guy like on the shoulders or streamers after you win a count out victory, it's not really going to get anyone over, right? So, exactly. And then even in 91, 91 with Flair, you know, Flair had a dispute with WCW, which you've yeah. heard, and then he quit or got fired, whatever you want to, whatever side you want to take yeah. on that one. And, you know, Luger had to beat Barry Windham for the world title. It didn't beat Flair, and then he had to listen to We Want Flair chance for, uh, his run as champion WCW. So a lot of bad luck happened to him, you know, when it came to like big championship wins. And yeah, though so he had that great one, Hogan and Nitro era, but it only yeah. lasted like, what, four days or something. I think so, like yeah. That. yeah. 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 I mean, of course also Lex Luger. I mean, God, this is the most I've ever talked about Lex Luger, but uh, I mean, guy, I, I remember even as a kid, you know, like seeing those early videos of, you know, with Bruiser Brody, like, you know, mm-hmm. go and shoot on him yeah. in the ring, yeah, and yeah. he jumped out of the cage and ran off. I mean, I mean, like, uh, there's so much. I mean, obviously with the whole Monday Night Wars, watching that, and just Luger, you know, he had a very important role in with WCW at the time. So, yeah, no, a lot of great memories with Lex Luger. So, no, that's very cool to hear that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, okay, second question. All-time favorite wrestling match. I mean, it could maybe be someone involving with Ric Flair, you know, your all-time favorite, or it could be something completely different. But just like an all-time favorite match, it's it's like timeless to you. Oh, I could never get tired of watching Ric Flair and Terry Funk I quit match from Class Champions 9. Like, to me, that's like the greatest match ever. Like, they just went out there and they tried to kill each other. Like, I felt like they – I just felt like they hated each other. Like, it was just – it wasn't a typical Ric Flair match, obviously, yeah. just – not just because of the I quit stipulations, but like just the way he wrestled that match. He was yeah. just going after Funk, jumping on his back. They're running, you know, just doing just craziness. And Funk was being Funk, being crazy. And you know, when I when I watched in the AEW, um, John Moxley versus uh, Eddie Kingston I quit match, <laughs> and they're just basically doing the same match, even if it wasn't I quit. Like they would have that same match either way, in my opinion, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, no man, why? Did, where's the microphone? Where is? Where's the intensity that Ric Flair and Terry Funk had? And I know it's a hard kind of, you know, bar to, to, to meet. But, yeah. I mean, but like I said, the realism of that match really just, just is I'm still in awe of this day. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's great. Um, wait, now, please remind me, which one was it with the, the plastic bag? Was... Uh, that's Clash 8. That was okay. September of 89. Gotcha. And okay. And I don't remember dates now, but like anything when I was a kid, I can just tell you dates. Yeah, day. absolutely. Oh yeah, totally. Um, God, I well maybe we'll save this for a future time. So one of my other co-hosts, uh, my buddy Richard, who runs an awesome Instagram page, Pro Wrestling One Hundred and One on Instagram, recommend you guys follow it. Uh, his all-time favorite is Terry Funk, and uh, oh, yeah. like the last episode, or a couple episodes ago, we were trying to wrap things up. And he said, yeah, I just posted this great video. Uh, it was uh, the death match. I think it was uh, 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 Terry Funk and, and, and Cactus Jack or something. And and I just told I, I I asked this question and it led to like another five minute extension of the, the episode. But I asked him, I was like, so wait a sec. OK, we all know, you know, Terry Funk, you know, he has a long legendary career, you know, in the 70s, 80s, retired. When did he become like all of a sudden like this hardcore legend and like crazy old man? And then he started leading me on this whole explanation because I remember, of course, like Chainsaw Charlie and all this other stuff. And I was like, 
like we see old footage of him. He's wearing tights and, you know, more traditional look and wrestling. And it became like this hardcore crazy guy. And so he's trying to explain it all to me. And so I would love for you to talk to him, you know, for you as a Flair fan, it was a Terry Fung. I'm sure you guys can have so much like fun, detailed conversations about that. But um, last question as far as do you have a, a wrestling bucking list? Uh, something that you want to do in wrestling experience? Uh, I, I give my example is like for me, I always would love to attend a Wrestle Kingdom in Japan. Um, uh, I've talked to other people and they've had like various things like uh, uh, a friend of mine wants to be put through a table <laughs> like so I mean like I said I, I know it's very open ended but is there anything in professional wrestling that you would love to experience or accomplish Um, well there's two as, as a fan okay. I would just like you I would love to go to Japan for like a week or longer um, to go see wrestling shows, um, the Tokyo Dome would be great, but I'm more into like seeing Cork and Hall and and lots of, I, I want to go jump around and see all the shows. I want to see Noah, I want to see all Japan. You know, I want to I want to do the whole run. And Japan has been my ultimate bucket list uh, okay. vacation spot. Uh, just in, just I just love that culture. And I love, yeah, you know, just love it over there. And I always hear great things. I have friends out there, friends out there now wrestling right now, and they just mm-hmm. say how great it is over there and. How nice it is, and uh, professionally, you know, something came calling creatively in a, one of the bigger companies. Yeah, I would just, I would jump on it any day, you know, any time. I just, I, just, I can't turn my brain off of this stuff. I watch, you know, I watch it. Uh, I watch, like I said, I watch a show, and I'm, I'm creatively thinking of what I would do or what I'm seeing a flaw in. Like I think they are missing out, or you know, stuff like that. So it just, I just can't help it. It just, just part of me. Yeah, I mean, just uh, a couple nights ago, I-, I think I commented, you know, in regards to some of your AEW full gear stuff. I was like, dude, Tony Khan should hire you to kind of correct some of these little, just little um, misses or just to kind of tighten things up on, from a storyline standpoint. Uh, you know, that's that just an example for everyone listening right now where I, I think your knowledge is, is so amazing. And, uh, 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 but yeah, no, I'm with you. Cause even like the other night you were like, I, I saw you tweeted out, all right, getting ready to watch some NXT UK. And I was like, awesome. Like mm. it's even cool. Like, you know, in your free time you're watching, yeah, NXT UK. And, um, you know, I, they just kind of came back, you know, during this pandemic, like within yeah. the last like six weeks or so, I didn't watch it regularly before just cause God, there's so much wrestling to watch now, no, but, but, um, I love their takeovers. I'm a huge Walter fan. Um, I know this is audio, but you know, visually people say I look like Walter. I even (laughs) last year I went to WrestleMania in New York and we were in Brooklyn. Uh, uh, my buddy and I, we went to a pizza place and this pizza place, everyone was dressed up in different wrestling outfits. I come walking in and the whole crowd starts going, Walter, Walter, Walter. I'm like, Oh my God. I just want some pizza and leave people. Like, but it was very fun. I started chopping people, but, um, but with that being said, I love Walter. So I was like, I really, I really feel like this is a restart, a reset for NXT UK. It's a great time to kind of jump back in. Probably it's like for them, like fresh storylines. So I've been watching ever since. I've been loving everything they've been doing. So yeah, they have a, a, a stacked roster of talent, and those guys are so well trained, and the fundamentals are so good. Uh, there's, I mean, not everything's perfect on there. There was like a really bad, like couple, a woman's segment like two weeks ago. I'm like, it was like head scratcher was so bad. I'm like, how did this get on this show? Like I've never seen it this bad. All the women started fighting in the rings, yeah. the whole roster, and like no officials are around stopping him. It's like, okay, we're just gonna. It was like just watching a cat fight. And yeah. It's, 
I just didn't understand it. But other than that, though, like consistently, like the quality is really good. The wrestling is really solid, and I've been enjoying this Heritage Cup they've been doing, and they're mm-hmm. coming to the finals next. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I make sure it's an hour. It's an hour of wrestling. Uh, to me, it's an easy watch. So I'll, I'll definitely make time for it. Totally. I mean, it's simple formula. One hour, usually three, maybe four matches, couple promos, video packages, boom, and you're gone. Like, I love it. Easy to, con- to consume. So I'm all for that. And like, same thing for like, uh, you know, even NWA Power when it was on a regular basis, MLW, which I'm excited for their return this week. And yeah, any like those hour shows, I'm all for it. Just it's like quick in and out. Give me the meat and potatoes and move on. So, uh, no, very cool to hear that. I'm glad. Uh, no, thank you for sharing all that. I, I think it's really cool. I think uh, I was talking to a friend of mine. I think, you know, wrestling fans, you know, we're very, you know, a small audience in some ways. But I think, you know, if you see someone with a wrestling shirt or something, you instantly click. And so I think anytime you can open up and share, you know, favorite match wrestler whatnot i think that's just very cool to kind of have people connect that way so on a personal level so thank you for sharing so um you know uh, one thing i wanted to ask about so as as i uh mentioned earlier so you were the former booker for apw all pro wrestling which i mean i'll go ahead and say on the record yeah it's the top independent promotion here in the bay area slash even like northern california if you want to call it that but um as it said, like on your Twitter bio, you're the former booker. So um, if you're okay to kind of, you know, talk about it a little bit, like if you want to break kayfabe a little bit, you know, can you kind of maybe explain, you know, what it means to be the booker for all pro wrestling? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, just, you know, I'm the one that would book the matches, set up the winners, the losers, the storylines, book the talent. Um, I started booking in 2008 for Roland Alexander at the old APW garage. And, nice. Um, I was a manager before that. I worked as a manager. I managed AJ Kirsch and another gentleman named Nate, Nate Rules. We were called Ego. Um, AJ was excellent. So I was gorgeous, and Nate was outrageous. He kind of looked like almost like a road warrior kind of looking guy. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, so we were just, you know, just a tag team. And I had like the the, the sequence jacket like Bobby Heenan. And you know, I started originally just as doing play by play. And at first, I was calling it straight with my buddy Jeremy, who's known as Germs, a longtime Bay Area yeah. guy. And um, but uh, the bookers of the time, or the matchmakers of the time, uh, Jason Dedrich and Gabe Ramirez. Jason Dedrich came to me. He's like, as commentary, he's like, "You guys got to spice it up, you know, a little bit. You know, you guys are just being too like normal." And so I was like, "Whatever," you know. So I was like, kind of irritated because I thought we were doing a great job. Yeah. But there was a tag team called the Mafia. Very creative name. Um, <laughs> Venice DeMarco, Chris Coloni, and Tiffany. And okay. since I am full blood Italian, I would just start going with them, being biased towards them. And so it kept getting a good response. So they're like, one day I show up and they're like, we need you to interfere in our match and cost them and have them win a match. And next thing you know, I'm like booked in Bakersfield as their manager. Right. And so I did that for a while. And then I started managing, like I said, ego. And um, that was a lot of fun. I hurt my neck in 2008 and um just really just just something stupid like i just jumped off the apron i the basically the doctor said that it's probably something i already injured that was about to probably just go you know and it's just oh, wow. small, you know so so one day i'll have to get in surgery on it i think i'm sure i will but um wow. but uh yeah so i was like oh man i was kind of depressed and at that same time jason dedrich and gabe ramirez started their own thing and you know, Jason Dedrich did the click wrestle, if you remember that. I don't know the 
Yeah. It so sounds like familiar. Matches, matches online and stuff. He's married to cheerleader Melissa and he was okay. like, yeah, that kind of stuff. And then yeah, 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 Mirror yeah. started Pro Wrestling Revolution at the time. Mm-hmm. So so there's opening the booking position and Roland Alexander asked me to do it. And it was, you know, at first I was super excited. I was like ready to go. Yeah. And I'm like, get my paper out in my book. And I'm ready to write stuff out, and I'm I'm freaking out, dude. I don't know what to write. So then I remember this great book. Everyone should read it if anyone likes to read wrestling books. Called Wrestling at the Chase by Larry okay. Bassick. It's about the late St. Louis territory, and I just remember something that was just so simple. Just keep it simple, stupid when it comes to booking. So kiss, <laughs> yeah, kiss exactly. So I just kept it simple, and the first card I because like I said, Gabe and Jason, you know, not to knock their booking, but they were very like. Vince Rusco esque with a lot of wackiness, and you just never knew what you're gonna get. It was kind okay. of a mess at times, but and so my first card, I had like six matches only in all clean finishes, and the crowd was like mostly quiet. Like, I thought, oh shit, this is not getting over, but people were like shocked because usually some wackiness would happen yeah. instead of just straight matches with winners. Because I okay. wanted to give the fans at APW, no, we're gonna results are gonna matter. And so I started building, you know, um, on that. And then, you know, it was fun. I, you know, Dylan Drake was a ring announcer turned job job guy. They killed him. And I'm like, no, I'm going to build around him because he's very charismatic. He has a good connection, great look. And so I just, he was my, like, I my focus. I focused the spotlight on him, and I just built him to win a championship. And we're off and running from there. So I did that for, you know, 2012. And then, um you know, Roland's having hard times and, um, you know, with the school and everything and mm-hmm. we're struggling. And this one guy came in, promised the world, and I just knew he was a kind of a con man kind of guy. Mm. I mean, but Roland, you know, he at this point, he's listening to anyone because you need, you need to help, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he, the guy wanted to be creative, though, you know, of mm. course. Right? He wants to be creatively involved. Okay. And I told Roland, I can't work this guy. This guy's a con man. I don't trust him. He, this guy's talking about going to other promotions, doing NWO gimmick. Like, come on, Roland. This is ridiculous. Oh but, God. you know, I said, Roland, if you really want to work this guy, this is going to help ABW. I, I, I'm more than happy to you, you go with him. But, like, I just don't want to affect my, like, I don't want him to, like, look bad on my creative. Like, right? I don't want people to think, oh, John booked that crap, you know? And it was, like, a collaboration thing. So mm-hmm. I got out of wrestling for a little bit. And my buddy, Matt Della Rosa, is like, Hey, there's a great building in Gilroy. We should run our own shows. I'm like, I don't know, man. Promoting's tough. And he's like, no, no, don't worry about it. I'll handle the promoting stuff. You just do the booking stuff, right? Okay. And I'm like, so we started Premier Wrestling out of Gilroy, which is uh, yeah. based on um, uh, basically more of a, not a shoot style per se, but it was going to that route. Okay. Um, just basically, we did the records. I had records and no more contenderships and all that kind of stuff. And um, so we had a good... But then after the first show, he got a job at the UFC. So then <laughs> I was out of him. But was there um not to cut you off, uh, Dan? Um, oh my Dan, god, Danny Martinez. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He I, was. I, uh, he's my buddy. He he was Matt Del Rosa's buddy too. And yeah. Matt left for the UFC. He Dan uh, Matt recommended Dan to okay. come join me, and so that we partnered up. And he's a great partner. And you know, we were just. We're running really well. We're doing good. And then, like, you know, my first baby came around and it was like, you know, like, like it wasn't to where I was like, man, do I want to, like, keep fighting with this and have more stress on my personal life, you know, with the family. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I, it's, it, was, it, was, it was heartbreaking to, to close up premiere. And I still okay. get a kick when fans are like, hey, let's, 
we should bring her come back one more show and stuff like that and but you know it's, it was tough but then you know marcus who i've always been great friends with you know after like six months being out of it he's like he's always bugged me like come on man help me out let me book this thing it's yeah, crazy yeah. you know and it's, it's a lot of work to promote and book at the same time mm-hmm. so finally i said i was getting the itch and i was like yeah dude i'll i'll come and help you out and we had a great partnership it was fun to work with him um he would handle the 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 stars the negotiation of that because that's you know mm-hmm. that's his money and the business side yeah business side of it so i would mainly concentrate on storyline development um booking the local talent or even finding some uh undiscovered talent from like southern california like jake atlas and stuff yeah. like that so yeah and so you know i would kind of like really work with the undercard and everything and and stuff so we had a really good thing going and then like i said i had another baby but still good and then when baby number three, Kaylee came around, it was yeah. like, man, dude, I'm not gonna have time for this, you know. And so, so it just kind of like had to pump the brakes at the end of 2019. And so right now, I'm just enjoying my time as you know, doing the fight game podcast and getting yeah. my kids at that, and and we've been rock and rolling on that. Yeah, so I definitely want to talk about uh, the fight game podcast in one second, but um, just focusing on this most recent run of APW, and you know, I sound like my brother, you know, before I was going to be talking to you and. You know, retrospect, we were just thinking about, you know, between 2016 and 2019, like there's so much to talk about how awesome those years for APW have been. And for anyone who doesn't know, um, like you've had everyone come through here who arguably are now been signed off because in the last year or so, there's almost like a talent raid from all these, you know, mainstream promotions signing up people for their to fill up their roster and Everyone that you see now on a regular basis at one point or another in the last few years made an appearance or two at APW. So it's really amazing that I can turn on Monday night, Wednesday night, Friday night, or you know, maybe Tuesday night, whatever it may be, and see someone that at one point I saw make an appearance at APW in recent years. And uh I kinda wanna kinda maybe go down the list a little bit. Um like so for me, like how I got back into going to like APW shows on the regular basis. So uh, a few years ago, uh, I remember Billy Gunn uh, made an appearance uh, and I did an interview with him beforehand just to promote the show. And I was like, okay, let's go to the show. And so my brother and I, uh, Jimbo and I, we all went and um, it was a lot of fun. Like I was like, oh my God, this is so much fun. Cause I, I hadn't been to like an independent show in a long time and seeing just the talent that came through there and I love the energy, the crowd. And I was like, I got to come on a regular basis. So at that point, yeah, every month, every other month was going to these shows and it was awesome. And then I think it was a 2016 where, you know, Cody Rhodes uh, just left WWE and like made one of his first like ind- independent appearances for APW and Pacifica show over there. That was so much fun. Like, you know, so much respect for him as far as, I went up to him and like I interviewed him a couple years before that at WrestleMania when he was still Stardust, but he remembered me and gave me a hug. It was super cool. Um, so for you, like how was that experience as far as, like I said, Cody Rhodes, I was talking to my brother, like we, we saw Keith Lee there, you know, a couple years ago, Walter made an appearance. I mean, Jake Atlas, as you mentioned, Jungle Boy. Uh, I mean, I mean there, there's so many talented people in the last few years who made appearance at APW and now are off doing big things. So like for you, how awesome it is that you kind of have like a connection to them and, and maybe in some ways, you know, help them springboard them into that next level in their career. Yeah, no, it was, 
it was amazing. And a lot of it I give credit to Marcus and Mike Millerick to that really went out and took you know, spent their money and took advantage of like like you know, Cody was, you know, a hot commodity and and you know, are you gonna invest in a guy like that or are you gonna invest in you know, someone that's it's all about drawing the money. It's all about drawing the crowd. And he was a guy, and Marcus is really good at at uh, recognizing that. So that was awesome. He was great for us. Obviously, he drew some great crowds. Cow Palace, you know, yes. that first Cow Palace with him and Joey Ryan in the cage. And, you know, that drew really well. You know, 3,500. A lot of yeah. it was the Cow Palace itself because it brought back so much nostalgia because uh, the a lot of old fans who yeah. used to go there came back to see wrestling at the Cow Palace. And not just WWF wrestling or WWE. It was like just this independent, you know, organization. Let's see what they're going to do. And it was, that, was, that was really – that was like our – a highlight, just a just a off. I think peak for us there. That was an amazing night. Yeah. And, um. Yeah. Those all those guys are great. I loved working with Jungle Boy. Um. Jack Perry is such a good kid. Yep. And, and um. I was involved in booking his. I don't know if you remember his story. Like he kept losing in his first few matches, but he kept. He was so popular. I kept wanting to, each step. I wanted him to show the fans like he's getting closer. He's mm-hmm. getting close. He's getting yep. close closer and so mm-hmm. finally you know they had him win the championship and everything and, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just he's, he was a lot of a lot of fun to work with and just i was so happy when he got signed I was, that was like a, a proud papa moment right there because you know he's just a good kid and um you know been through a lot and you know yeah. same with will hobbs you know i remember will hobbs was a skinny little kid at the, when i had him at, <laughs> yeah at apw and now look at him you know big will big willie hobbs as, yeah uh, Jim Ross likes to say, so um, I'm happy that he's, you know, I'm glad that Tony Khan's loving that guy. And and let's come on, keep keep more and more and more and more and more and more with Will Hobbs, please, in AEW. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. It, it, it's, I mean, yeah, Will Hobbs is the most recent story of like how incredible and just the the, the feedback and everyone on social media was celebrating and, and congratulating him. I mean, just shows how how well loved he is and everyone's so happy for him to get signed by AEW but even yeah Jungle Boy you know he's from Southern California but you know coming up here like on a regular basis and doing stuff with APW and Pro Wrestling Revolution and the matches him and Jake Atlas had and god like um Jake Atlas and NXT now yeah but even uh uh, last year the um um oh my god when uh SCU came uh Mm -hmm. And one of the opening matches, or was Jake Atlas versus? Uh, I mean, we, uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott now, but yeah, God, yeah. that was like one of the best matches I've ever seen in person. They that, had great chemistry together. That was a beautiful match. Yeah, I mean, that was so great. I mean, so it's just really amazing. Everyone that we've seen in you know recent years on TV now have made an appearance in APW. So, uh, yeah, like that that Cow Palace show though. How was it for you to like? Uh, be a part of putting on that show because like my brother and i were super excited we went to cow palace as kids for wrestling shows so to me that was such an incredible experience because like i really felt it was uh like an amazing opportunity it was almost like a wrestlemania for independent scene out here Mm so i mean just for cody to come out here and then i even like you know uh interviewed him or it was part of like a press conference thing for him when he came out with new japan uh at the time, and he even then mentioned, like, last time he was at the Cow Palace with APW and praised how awesome a show that was and just the promotion is itself. So, for you, uh, 
Yeah, just to be able to put on like a show at the Cow Palace. That that must be like for you such a uh, rewarding thing to have on your resume now. It was a trip, man. Walking to the back, like in the in the middle of the day, like getting ready, you see the ring being built, and yeah. just going around from like, you know, I didn't want to see like people see, but I'm like, I walked right in the middle of the right in the middle of the floor and looked around all the empty seats and thinking like, man, we're, you know, it's just amazing to look at all the history that was there, all the great matches that were there. Now we're gonna be part of it. Um, work with Pat Patterson, who we brought in, yeah, to do a spot, which my god, I'll never forget. We had him out there, and he was supposed to do a spot like with Dylan Drake. And all of a sudden, I'm watching from the side, and he takes a walk to the back. And I'm like, Where the hell's Pat going? He's supposed <laughs> to have a spot going on. So I go and go get him, and I can't find him for a second. He's in there smoking in the cow palace, like, he still thinks he runs the cow palace, right. <laughs> And he's like, I think a lady even told him, like, sir, yeah, pick a cigarette out. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Takes another drag, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Pat, we need you out there. We need you out there for the you know, the thing with Dylan Drake. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I th- I don't <laughs> and I'm like, is he fucking with me? I'm oh, sorry. I don't <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, well, yeah. Is, is, he, is he messing me? Is he ribbing me? So I'm like, Pat, got to get out there. And he's like, he starts, you know, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm all, don't worry. I'll be out there. I'll be out there. I'm like. All right, man, we need you out there now. And I'm like grabbing by the arm and dragging Pat Patterson, like, you know, guiding him to the curtain. Like, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm surprised they nailed me yet. But I'm like, <laughs> so that was a thrill to do. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I just, when I first met the Jack Perry, uh, uh, Luke Perry's dad, you know, Luke, yeah. Perry, I said, Luke Perry, that was, that was a, I was talking about the Ric Flair documentary that he produced and everything. So that was a thrill. And it was really cool to meet him. And just, uh, it was a great night. Everyone just felt so happy and like just, just the love and, I don't know. It was just a, it was a trip, man, all together. And like, yeah. you know, fought to Jake, Jacob fought to in that, in that rumble and that opener. I mean, Kevin mm-hmm. Sullivan came up to me and said, great job, kid. That was a great finish. And I'm like, <laughs> oh shit. Right. Like, yeah. it was just, it's one of those things that just everything kept, everything was a, was a positive. So I was extremely happy. And uh, yeah, and look at, shoot, look at Jacob fought to now and MLW champion doing well. Um, Carl Fredericks. Yeah. Carl Fredericks, New Japan. Um, but there's so many. I mean, that's the thing. And like, I, I definitely want to have you on maybe on a regular basis. And like, we can reflect, like, I'll think of more names maybe tomorrow or later, or whatever. And, uh, there's so many different names to talk about and get into. I mean, look at Timothy Thatcher. There's, Timothy Thatcher. there's yeah, so Thatcher. much. Just a guy in Sacramento. And I took over the book in APW in 2008. Like, I, we had a lower roster, like, of people. And I'm like, Roland, we got to open up to other promotions. We we're kind of like, just our students and our wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And so I brought in Timmy Thatcher and I, I saw a match with him and Dylan and I was like, man, this guy's good. And so I just started off pushing him. And of course, Jeff Cobb, you know, Jeff Cobb, I, yeah. I, I got him over. Well, they, they, he's wrestling in Hawaii for this small promotion. They came over here for vacation. They're looking to do some work. And all of a sudden I'm like, well, let's have fun with it. Let's call it the Pacific challenge. And so, and I said, well, send me footage of your guys. I haven't seen them before. And yeah. like two were okay. One was good, Kaimana. And uh, the guy that really stuck out was Jeff Cobb. Yeah. He just did all this athletic stuff. So I'm like, oh, man. So it was like a best of three. And, um, you know, the main event was Timmy Thatcher and Jeff Cobb. And, wow. And Roland, like, he was like, you know, Roland's all about the school, all about the training, right? The okay. fundamental. So, like, he made them, like, when they got to the Hawaiian guys, he got there and made them like train before. Cause we used to do school before the, the gym war shows. Yeah. Like, I don't know, LaRocca. I don't know. <laughs> he's need a lot of training. 
Yeah. And I'm just like, rolling. I think it's going to be fine. Like, yeah. And, I, and I'm praying to myself inside. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to hear the end of this. They suck, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jeff Cobb and Timmy Thatcher had this great match. Rollins crying because it was so good. And then, you know, now this to this day, me and Jeff Cobb and I are really close. And, um, you know, he called me one day and said, hey, what do I need to do to advance my career? I'm like, you're literally on the most beautiful island in the world, but you're on an island out there with one promotion in Hawaii. You got to do some get, come here in the United States and find a school. And I recommended him to go train with Oliver John, old school Oliver John. I don't know if you've ever seen him. That sounds um, familiar. He's yeah, yeah. Now. He's a great talent. Okay. Tremendous. I'll send you a match team, Oliver John and Jeff Coff from my premier promotion. Okay. And you'll become an instant Oliver John fan. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So Jeff, uh, Jeff went to go train in Sacramento with Oliver John and also J.R. Kratos was there. Brian yeah. Tannen, like Oliver John had like a, and Timmy Thatcher, like the beef of beef guys, like these big monsters. And he was yeah. training them how to be a wrestler. So Jeff Coff would always credit Oliver John for his training. And he should, because um, they did just fantastic, fantastic talent. So, um, you know, Hammerstone too, like you just interviewed Hammerstone. Yeah, I was the first one to bring him out here in Northern California for premiere. Oh no and, way! Uh, yeah, and then uh, he even that was so nice of him. That he tweeted out one day, he's like, you know, credit to Laraca for telling me my finish should be the pendulum smooth he does because he was doing a different move. But I'm like, the move you do for the finisher is not as big as the move you do before, so you should do the move before and not the, the, yeah. So, dude, so that was really cool to do. That finisher he has is so awesome. Like, yeah, I love. I mean, growing up, I love anything power bomb like related, where you lift someone up and smash them down. That never gets old to me. Even though now I think it's very much like a, a transitional move now in some ways. But like a power bomb always has like a big impact on me. So his move, as far yeah. as you know, he flings them up and throws them down. I love it. He's such a talent. Like I know he's an MLW, and I know he's proud of that, and that's great. But God, man, if if Tony Khan ain't opening the books up when he's available to sign him, like there's something wrong and, you know, like, or he, or WWE's going to sign him, but they should, because he's a talent. We brought him into uh APW. My, one of my last few shows when he wrestled Jacob fought two in the main event. Okay. And they had a hell of a, I think it was Jacob fought two's best match. Cause it was, and it was really a lot of it was just hammerstone controlling it. Okay. He, he, was, he became, when I had him, he was raw and green. Right. Mm-hmm originally in premiere but like he, here he was seasoned and he was controlling he's been he was healing he was controlling the match and and controlling the pace and such a tremendous talent and so i'm so happy for his success yeah he should be god like i said tony khan aw they that's the guys they need to get like him. Yeah. you know there's and there's there's plenty of them out there that i'd like to see him sign up dude i love hearing all that i mean even like you know jr kratos congrats he's like nwa tag team champion now and he and did stuff. strong stuff. Yeah. yeah. And all, you know, he even did stuff at all Japan, uh, yep. you know, as well. I mean, like I said, we can go on and on about yeah. all that <laughs> stuff, but I, I mean, we'll save it for another time, but, uh, I do want to touch on, you know, your podcast, the fight game podcast. So, you know, please, you know, kind of explain, sum it up, you know, what it is and where can people find it. And, uh, um, you know, I, you know, I was listening the other day. I love the conversation you guys were having, but yeah, no, please just share just, you know, about the history of it. Yeah, well, the Fight King podcast has been around for a little while, but it's uh, run by Garrett Gonzalez of the Wrestling Observer. Um, and, of course, Garrett and I are friends, and, you know, we I met him at Dave Meltzer's house because, you know, I'm good friends with Dave, and, <laughs> and we, you know, we go watch shows together and stuff, and it's a lot of fun. And we just came, and Garrett and I just came like a great connection, and and he we just kind of talked about, like, hey, man, we should, you know, do a podcast together. And 
So we originally started with the We Want Flair podcast, which we would like dive into like a Flair match and the history. Yeah. And and we just started just coming together for the Fight Game podcast, talking about not just pro wrestling, but boxing, MMA. And we're doing some, we're rock and rolling, man. Garrett really hustled and he's really finding these great young writers for our website. And, uh, and we're just we're just kicking out content like all every day. There's always new articles and mm-hmm. various different podcasts. And like right now we have a you know there's a special we do with John Moxley comes on because he's a big MA guy. Yep, he loves to come on just talk UFC with Garrett. Him and Garrett <laughs> talk about predictions of the fights or post pay per view fights. Awesome, so that's really cool. Um, we recently just had uh, my my buddy Justin Nipper. With uh, the author and historian Fumi Saido talking to Debbie Malenko nice. um, about her return to wrestling, and you know um, one of our new one of our new writers JD Oliva he just wrote a great article called uh, a, a, a Matter of Family with uh, about Don Callis and Kenny Omega's history yep. together and quotes from them which is really good, and then we had the great Robert Silva talking boxing right now he's doing his countdown of his uh, greatest knockouts in boxing and nice. We got Carlos Toro talking boxing. So we got amateur wrestling coverage on there. Yeah. So like, we're just kind of all the, it's a fight game, man. We're just covering everything in combat sports. So, um, and uh, I mostly on there, I'm the wrestling guy, I guess. And <laughs> Gary and I on our show, we mainly talk about um, not, not only just the news going on in the world of wrestling, but we like to do the uh, AW versus NXT night and review our likes and dislikes. Yeah. And also we do a, um, review of an old show like right now we're in the midst of WW Saturday night 1992 <laughs> running to the end and then we're gonna jump in next year to doing raw of 1997 so whoa yeah cover all of that and so we're kicking that off in a way with our survivor series 96 for our thanksgiving week because we're both gonna be off because of vacation yeah so we we're gonna record that early and put it on that week so it's gonna kind of be a teaser to what we're gonna be doing in 2021 so we're yeah. busy yeah, no, I mean, for anyone who might be a little bit too young to remember, I mean, uh, I was talking to my brother about this earlier, Survivor Series 1996. In many ways, some people could argue was kind of loosely the beginning of the Attitude Era, or especially Stone Cold's run with that match with Bret Hart, and led to a lot of great things in what happened in 97. And, I mean, God, just, you know, as a kid, you know, in middle school, living through all that, I mean, <laughs> if, if I could live through that again, that would be, you know, if we could time travel, I would love to live through that era again, just because every Monday night rushing home and doing, you know, luckily out here in Alameda where I live, where, uh, you know, luckily in our cable package, TNT, we had uh, the East Coast feeds watch that first and then watch Raw or Monday Nitro first, then Raw after. Mm-hmm. And just, dude, so I, I cannot wait for you to start talking about like 97 Raw again and just like, hear like fresh you know takes on it everything got i mean that was such a special time period for me that's yeah, like very special yeah definitely and we're not going to just review just the matches on the show we're actually going to divide it like what's going on behind the scenes with that because <laughs> because uh you know Meltzer's uh, 1997 raw book came out and so a lot of history what happens what's going on in the industry behind the scenes then and yeah so we're gonna have a lot of uh, a lot of detail on that so it's going to be uh, a really cool show Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, check out fightgamemedia.com for all the info, links there. Uh, subscribe to the Fight Game podcast on any major podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, I believe, you know, everything that's out there for you guys to listen to podcasts. Part of the Blue Wires podcast network, which is very cool. Uh, 
Kevin Jones, my old coworker, who used to be a writer for KBR. Uh, when he left KBR, he started this whole podcast network, and it's just incredible. Like I'm so blown away and happy for him, and so that's very cool. It's just such a small world, you know. When really think about it, so um, no, I mean, j- just congrats and everything you've been doing so far. It's such great coverage, and you know, definitely follow you on on, on Twitter and whatnot for all the links. It's so cool. So, um, Thank you. what I'm thinking right now, okay. We've been, you know, talking a lot just about, you know, uh, you specifically and all the wrestling you've done. So I think for maybe this last part of the podcast, let's just go ahead, uh, just talk about some of the highlights from Monday Night Raw this week because some big things did happen that are leading up to Survivor Series. Um, I know one of uh, what I sent to you earlier, some AEW stuff. Maybe we'll save that for another time. Maybe, you know, hell, maybe next week or something, wherever you have some free time. Um, or actually, Thanksgiving's next week. But anyway, we'll figure it out. But, um, Money I'm home, night. man. It's co- I'm co- it's COVID. I'm home. That's so, right. Like, that's right. I'll be home as right well. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, Monday Night Raw, uh, very awesome episode. I mean, my brother and I were watching together last night, and then uh, uh, our buddy Richard, who's also on In the Click, he was texting us today. I guess he watched it later. He was like, "Oh my god, what an amazing show of Raw!" At least from his standpoint, it felt like a pay per view type quality. Um, Something I, I heard, I, I was checking over at friends at Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this. So the rumor was Vince McMahon actually wasn't at Raw last night. Instead, Triple H and Bruce Pritchard uh, were in charge. They booked the show. And apparently, they didn't really have everything like fully scripted out. They kind of had like a little more, uh, it was a little more uh, independence for the wrestlers to kind of you know, improvise and come up with their own ideas and even Triple H booked the main event. Is that something you, did you hear about that for Raw last night? Um, you know, I didn't really dive too deep into that. Okay. Uh, but that makes sense. And, you know, Vince probably not being there. Maybe after the situation was Lena Vega, maybe he's just, you know, looking at stuff going on and, you know, yeah. maybe the heat died down a little bit. But uh, no, I think Triple H is like a really smart guy, obviously. He's, you know, and I think creatively he's really smart and I, I'm. I have it taped. I, I tape. I don't get to watch as much as I used to when it comes to Raw and SmackDown, just because there's so much going on. And of course, I got the little ones. And yeah, you know how it is. I mean, yeah. it's, just, it's just. It's just. I just don't have the time. And yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, Randy Orton and uh, Drew McIntyre in the 24 minute match. I think I'm gonna sit down and watch that soon Dude. because uh, to me, Randy Orton's like one of the greatest in ring of all time. He's up there. The greats. I mean, mm-hmm. he's such a classic worker. Drew is fantastic as yeah. well. They have really great chemistry together. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. And I was a little surprised about the towel change, but it it, it makes sense. And it makes sense, I think. But I kind of wish they wouldn't do the match that's coming up as Fire Series right now. That would kind of been something better on later on. But we'll yeah. So, so a couple things. So, yeah, I think let's, uh, you know, kind of, uh, break down a little bit, just, uh, Drew McIntyre and what's next for him. And then even after that, let's just touch on maybe Survivor Series, how they can just handle it better moving forward. Just, uh, I feel like Survivor Series more or less is just one big exhibition now, the last few years, especially with the brand, uh, uh, extension for both shows. So, uh, you know, for everyone listening right now, I'm sure you watched and you heard, you know, Drew McIntyre defeated randy orton and is once again a uh, wwe champion a two-time champion so congrats to him friend of the show um and so uh, i'm super happy for him i've been i really in love his title reign this year i mean it's been unfortunate it's been the whole pandemic era it's been 
you know, he won in front of nobody. His first title win, defeating Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. No one was there, even though he very much made a point to like stare into the camera and thank the WWE Universe and try to connect via the camera to the audience out there. I thought that was a very cool way to approach it. Um, for me, like his title reign, his first one, I really enjoyed it as far as he took on every challenger thrown at him ready to fight, fought them, defeated them. I thought he was booked as a very strong baby phase. His promos were great. And it was like, finally, we have a WWE champion that that's cool, but also tough. And he's a good guy. And he takes on all the challengers. He doesn't back off. He's not booked looking goofy or stupid or anything like that. So, I mean, I just kind of curious for you, just your thoughts, and maybe just Drew McIntyre's just initial run as WWE champion. I thought it was really good. They, it, it needed to be done. It needed to be. A, he needed to be a strong champion. He needed to go through challengers and defend the title. Uh, he always looked convincing with his wins. Um, I'm a little worried now, but what's who's going to be his fresh opponents coming up next? Because he ran through the Bobby Lashleys and I'm trying to think, you know, uh, uh, Dolph Ziggler. Ziggler. All of us has already been, you know, yeah. uh, free agent supposedly. Like I don't know where right. He hasn't even showed up yet. Has he anywhere? Yeah. Um, so, that's a good question. My brother and I was like, is he SmackDown or not? So yeah, Andrade, I don't know officially where he's at right now. Yeah. Wherever Charlotte is, I think that's the easy answer. I can't believe that guy is just like treading water. Like to me, he's like, I, I can't miss talent, but Absolutely. You know, we can do that another time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think he had a great reign and, uh, I'm glad it was long. Um, I was a little surprised with the title change, but I think they needed to give Randy Orton something. Mm-hmm. I was shocked that Randy Orton's run was short. Now the rumor is oh, for a long time was going to be Edge and Orton at WrestleMania. Yeah, right? but um, I, you know, I think they should still do that, but not as a championship match. So I think they're fine there. Yeah. I like Drew Champion. I think he. I think I want to go back to the old days of a strong Bayface champion who just takes on all comers. And so I hope going forward he does that. And I'm really interested in seeing that match at Survivor Series. Tim and Roman Reigns. Yeah, so a couple things, um, not to, to spoil anything for Raw, but um, if you're able to, like, you know, if you're going to fast forward anything, you know, make sure to stop on the Drew segment with Sheamus. And we've been kind of seeing them engaging with one another over the last few weeks and kind of reestablishing or reminding people, hey, him and Sheamus are friends for a long time. Um, and so part of his entrance last night was partly due to Seamus, you know, helping him out. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that for you to watch. Uh, so, but a lot of people are speculating. All right. Seamus, you know, he's been a, a heel most recently on SmackDown. He's kind of still kind of he- heelish tendencies on raw. So this is too good to be true. So I think a lot of people are anticipating, is he going to turn on drew at some point? So that could be maybe, a future po- opponent for Drew after Survivor Series is done with and moved on. So that that could be one aspect to look forward to. Um, but for me, I, I, I guess, like, okay, for Randy Orton, I was happy to f- see him finally win because I thought he had such great momentum and character work with, with Edge all throughout, you know, WrestleMania and post-WrestleMania. I kind of wondered, though, like, why put the championship on him and just to lose it three weeks later, pretty much? I, I kind of wonder... Would have been better maybe, listen, him and Drew had some great matches over the last few months, this great little rivalry, and it's like, it made sense. He's the top champion, Drew, and and, uh, Randy is like the top heel. I kind of wonder maybe Randy should have won it sooner, and that way he have a little bit of a title reign. I guess for uh, my question for you is, your thoughts on him just having a short title reign, do you think he should have won it sooner 
if the end game was still for Drew to win it back at some point? Um, I don't like short title reigns like this. I would have mm-hmm. actually kept it on Drew through Randy Orton because Randy yeah. Orton's so good that he can lose and still be over. Like he's mm-hmm. he has such longevity and he's not gonna get hurt by a loss, losing a feud. Um, you know, he when Edge returns and you heat that feud up again, it's it it's gonna heat up again and no one's gonna remember that he lost to Drew like yeah. like that. Right? Yeah, so I think it'll be fine. Um, I I wasn't a big fan of him. I, I was a big Randy Orton fan. I just wasn't bad, even a fan of him winning the title. Like I said, I, I think it's smart. Best bet, best money is to keep Drew strong going okay. into. And like you said, Sheamus would be a good challenger, especially in December, January months, mm-hmm. maybe before Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see Drew and AJ Styles hook it up. Dude. I think I, they would have some magic in there, really. I, that would be a great WrestleMania match if they if, once they get there. And, and the other thing, too, keep in mind, this most recent draft, the WWE draft, Raw did draft a lot of like heelish uh, mm. uh, superstars, so I think a lot of people at the time were like, "Oh, this is great! These are fresh new opponents potentially for Drew to take on down the road." So yeah, AJ Styles is one of them. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of some other names off the top of my head, but I mean, just the most recent setup. Guy, I mean, Sheamus was another one. So I mean, there is some fresh guys that he could take on to get through maybe Royal Rumble season, and then be kind of curious what is his plans for WrestleMania. So let's now look ahead. So he wins. Now he's going to take on uh, Roman Reigns this Sunday at Survivor Series. And I think also a lot of people kind of knew he was going to win here because he showed up on SmackDown last week, called out Roman Reigns. Uh, Roman, you know, told him, like, I don't watch Raw. Who are you? No one watches you. And and he told him, like, get one of these. And he pointed to the Universal title and then come see me again. And so... It was a great promotion for the match this coming this happened on Raw this week and a lot of people are like, Okay, are they gonna, you know, potentially, you know, go at it once again? I know they have history at previous WrestleManias. Um a couple months ago, even I think it was New York Comic Con and Drew McIntyre and Triple H were on a panel and Triple H flat out said like he thinks Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns is on the same level as far as a matchup like Rock versus Austin, Hogan versus Flair. Um, I, I definitely want to get first off your thoughts on that comparison. I interviewed uh, Drew last month, and I asked him about that, and he was you know very much taken back and appreciate the compliment. Uh, but for you, I would love to ask you kind of just your thoughts on Triple H's comments of comparing Drew versus Roman as the same as the other icons in pro wrestling. I think Triple H is doing a good job as a promoter there. I mean, yeah. it's it's hard because that, cause those, you know, Rock and Austin are on a, just a different level than a lot of people, right? Yeah. Everyone that reached this industry. Both are, I mean, Drew and Reigns are both great talents in the ring. Um, I don't know if it would be that anticipated other than I think it would be a great match. Like, I think this Sunday or the Survivor Series match is going to be great. Mm-hmm. The finish. Now that you bring up Sheamus, I'm thinking he could get involved and cost Drew a match and set up his run with Drew because, you know, because Roman has what Jey Uso together with him, right? Now the family's yes. kind of together. Mm-hmm. So I can see Jey Uso interfering and Sheamus jumping in there, maybe even helping out, but then like taking advantage of making a statement with Drew mm-hmm. and costing because I don't want to see just a clean win by Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is going over because he's so hot right now. Like, exactly. Like the popular story. And even right now, really in really SmackDown has taken over Raw as the number one show because it's on Fox now. It's mm-hmm. a priority. Um, so 
I think Reigns will win that for sure. Yeah. And, but there has to be some – has to be an out for Drew McIntyre for sure. Yeah, so th- that's the thing. Keep in mind, so in the last few weeks, in the main event scene on Raw, with Randy as champion, Drew was still there. Miz has money in the bank. He's been kind of lurking around. The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, also was kind of, you know, teasing, going after Randy. So Randy, uh, a couple weeks ago, was very paranoid about, like, three different guys coming after him. So with that being said, I I imagine Roman is going to go over win here, but I don't think it's going to be clean. I think it's going to be somewhat of an overbooked finish. I I think Miz could somehow get involved. I think Fiend, Bray Wyatt can maybe do some things well. Hell, even Randy himself could... He doesn't currently have anything lined up for Survivor Series, so he can do something. So I think between those three guys, they all can go after Drew, and then Roman can just benefit of picking up the pieces after the fact they interfere in some way, and he can get the, a victory. So I guess the other thing with that being said, the dynamic between these two are different than last time they took on each other at WrestleMania 35 it was. Drew is obviously babyface now, has been WWE champion, been booked very strong. Roman, in his time back in the last couple months, he's been booked as an awesome heel. So, that, like I said, they, they change, you know, bad guy, good guy, uh, and whatnot, reverse that, and then reverse roles. And so I think a potential matchup down the road it could be like at a WrestleMania. It should be a WrestleMania-quality type match. Now, and there's been a lot of rumors as far as what Roman's opponent's going to be. Is it going to be The Rock? Are they going to get The Rock and, like, he can challenge? Is like, who's the true head of the table of the family? Uh, uh, I mean, th- there's been different possibilities for Roman, what he can do, and Drew as well. I mean, I, it'd be interesting to see if they would do champion versus champion at a WrestleMania type of match. Um, so with that being said, going back to, like, Triple H's comments, Triple H said... He wants to see that matchup, but he thinks it should be saved down the road and you give it more build to it and whatnot. So the fact that we're all of a sudden getting this on like less than six days build at Survivor Series, do you think this is a little too soon to have this matchup between the two of them? Oh, I think so. I definitely think so. I, and you, things change so fast over there creatively that, yeah. you know, things kind of get just sometimes you gotta just roll with it i guess uh but if they can do it to where it leaves you wanting more and like okay. i said there's interference and shenanigans so we're like hey we didn't have a this this wasn't one-on-one this guy got involved this guy involved yeah. and they, they could do something like that yeah um the rock at wrestlemania roman reigns i would like to see rock wait wait to 2022 for la i mm. think rock hollywood la going for the title yeah, makes. Sense. I think Ronda coming back for that show also makes sense. Um, I think they want to make LA as big as possible. Plus, due to COVID, who knows what's going to happen in March, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm, already, I'm already taking 2021 off. That's the way I'm kind of. That's my mindset wow. right now. Yeah, 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 I really yeah. Wanna, I mean, I miss everyone. I want to do stuff, and and uh, I'm definitely planning on going to WrestleMania in 2022 if I can. You know, in mm-hmm. LA. Let's hope the world's all back to where we once had it, and yeah. we're safe and so um yeah so i think that i can see rock and roman there but how do you keep roman that hot for another year you know that's gonna be a challenge so yeah um, because it's in tampa this year right they're gonna read that's what it looks like yeah so it's tampa and i think it was a wrestle votes tweeted out 
because uh, originally it's supposed to be I think like March 28th, 2021, but they're trying to potentially move it back like two or three weeks as if that's going to make a huge difference. But it might be mid-April now, and so hopefully they might have more fans there. I mean, I think the Super Bowl is, spe- is supposed to happen this year or, excuse me, February there. I don't know how many fans actually going to be there for that. I mean, look, we're, we're such the pandemic is getting out of control again. So if maybe they can have it in Tampa Bay next year, but maybe kind of, you know, in pods, kind of similar to what like New Japan was doing, even AEW yeah. with sections of fans. So, I mean, if it holds 70,000, but maybe you can get like, I don't know, quarter capacity, like, uh, you know, like a college football game. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they want it on that stage and still have some fans in attendance. Probably won't be a full house, but it'd be interesting if they do try to pull it off and get WrestleMania there in Tampa Bay. So what kind of match uh, they can have. Depressing because, you know, the WrestleMania weekend has been such a big thing for wrestling fans all come together and taking like a million shows. Like 2015 was here in Santa Clara. It was just nuts. I was going back and forth, (laughs) checking out all this stuff. And yeah, it was just like, it was overwhelming, and then you know, then then and then I went to New York for WrestleMania. Did oh that. shit! Okay, I, yeah. I've never been to New York, so my buddies as a Christmas, a uh, Christmas, a birthday gift got me a ticket to uh, the New Japan show and um, and ba- Madison Square Garden, which oh was a big, de- which was a big deal for me because you know to see Jeff Cobb and Ma- Madison Square Gardens, you know, I, I had to be there to see that, and they they wanted me to be there to see that, and and it was great to see him accomplish that goal and so it was uh, that was uh, that's what reason came out there for to see new japan not yeah wasn't um if I, i'm sorry i'm not going to go a side tangent so didn't marcus mack like book like a last minute flight <laughs> yeah i posted i posted a picture like we're at this like i guess it's like a famous pizza place i don't know yeah they, they okay told- i remember like jeff posted like a group shot at like a yeah. big dinner yeah it's jr myself yeah uh a thatcher Jungle Boy was in that too. We he was kind of just hanging around. We kind of like, hey, why don't you hang out with us, kind of deal. Okay. And uh, he just signed his contract at AEW at the time. And, yeah. Uh, we went to like a like a bar and we went, like, let's get some pizza in us, you know, before we start running around. And uh, and so we took a picture and, J- and Mark is like, all right, I'm booking my flight and like, he's, like I got so much heat with the wife. He was just like. <laughs> But it was cool, man. Like we saw the New Japan show, we saw Jeff win the championship, the Never yeah. Open Championship, and then we all had a great dinner afterwards. And it was that was a special night. That was definitely a special night. So, just like Cow Palace was special too. When I saw, you know, I saw Jeff there's in APW. Yeah. Like at the New Japan Cow Palace show, like the yeah. big screen, the graphics. Like I got emotional, man. I'm not scared to admit I'm an emotional guy. I got tears down my eyes. It's just I was so happy for that guy because you know I. He was just a guy in Hawaii, like trying to make it, you know. And now look at him now, you know. He's just, he's just doing such a great job. Totally. So, uh, as far as you know, Drew and Roman. I mean, nonetheless, I'm still excited for this match this Sunday, mm-hmm. even though it is more or less like a glorified exhibition. No titles on the line. Um, a couple things with Survivor Series. Just looking ahead to Survivor Series as we wind down here. So. One, I mean, Survivor Series. Just your thoughts on NXT not being involved. A lot of people were kind of bummed out because I think. NXT last year being added to the equation made for a lot of fun, different matches, a lot of like triple threats and whatnot. And it was very cool to see people on NXT take on people raw and SmackDown. Doesn't look like they're going to be involved this year. Obviously I think the rumor is from like a pandemic standpoint, they just don't want that many bodies in inside the Thunderdome and just, you know, not risk of exposing people to one another. So, um, 
your thoughts? Yeah, just NXT not being in, in the equation this year. Yeah, I think if it was no no pandemic, they would have been involved. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, they are splitting the crews up because they don't want the you know more COVID positive tests to happen. Like two hundred five now was being taped along with NXT, so that's you know so they kind of split that crew up. Um, and also, I'm glad because if, if they're not in the plans for this year, I don't want them to see the NXT guys lose and be the fall guys for the you know the main brand. So yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, last year was great. I think it added a lot of steam to NXT. Um, you know, okay, this year not, but I think maybe next year they do it again if we can and mm-hmm. everything is going good. I think it'll be it'll be special again because we haven't seen it in a long time. So yeah, uh, but yeah, I'm. I'm I'm okay with it, and I'm okay with the takeover being its own thing as well. In, the, yeah. in Jan- December, I think at the first weekend of December, I think it's going to be. Yeah. So, um, I you know I lo- I love my NXT. I like I think it's a, it's a good promotion, and I'm so I'm okay with they're doing their own thing right now. <laughs> so okay, now looking at Survivor Series. So with the brand split, Survivor Series in recent memory has become just Raw versus SmackDown. So it, and it's always. People uh equivalent titles going at it. So raw tag titles versus SmackDown tag titles, US, IC, uh, you know, and so forth. And to me, I guess that's cool in some ways because it's like the best of the best going at at it. But like I said, it's it's almost like an exhibition. It's almost just like an all star game. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's no major stakes and like even this year there there was no like invasion angle like raw going over the smackdown and vice versa obviously with the pandemic like you said less bodies inside the thunderdome and i think the way they made up for it by having just more of like team uh conflict you know team raw aj trying to get everyone on the same page and smackdown having issues as well so that's a different way to kind of get i think us emotionally involved in these uh participants in the survivor series but like how would you improve Survivor Series? Like one idea I had was like, okay, whoever wins the the Survivor Series match, like Raw versus SmackDown, maybe those five guys can get like the last five spots in the Royal Rumble as their reward. Or let's say I'm just hypothetically like Team Raw defeats SmackDown, and out of the five guys, like three of them were survive or left over. Maybe those three guys get like a triple threat match on raw the next night. And the winner of that becomes like the new number one contender for the championship. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm trying to think of ways that you can book survivor series and at least give it some stakes where it makes it a little more appealing and you have a reason to kind of cheer and you have motivation to win as a superstar because you get something out of it. So, I mean, for you, like how would you kind of maybe improve the concept of survivor series right now? Well, first of all, I really like that idea. The last five spots in Royal Rumble. That, that's yeah. great because, you know, the winner of the Rumble gets the challenge for whatever championship they want, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea. Um, I think Survivor Series for me just become bragging rights, basically. The old bragging rights pay-per-views. Yeah. yeah. Um, if it was me, I still think it's beneficial just to kind of keep it separate with the brands and the titles and just focus on that and continue those storylines. Because mm-hmm. I think it like, was like why do I don't really want to see Drew lose right now to yeah. Roman Reigns? That was going to happen. Or even I don't want to see Oscar lose. Or I don't want to see Sasha Bank lose. I'd rather just have them in their own program, building to continue to build on towards WrestleMania. Um, Survivor Series is tricky. Tricky now. It's not like back in the day when we, you know, just team as a five trying to survive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, maybe you can go back to that traditional format 
uh, once a once try to do that, maybe make it that a little different, you know, yeah. not different kind of little nostalgia act, but I don't know. It's, it's tough, man. I, but I do like that, that idea that, you know, the raw gets or SmackDown gets whoever wins, gets the final five spots. I'm, I'm with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm digging that. So, all right, you and me, let, let's, let's go work with Bruce Pritchard now and get some, get some yeah, of these ideas it going. Sense. It makes sense that, you know, cause each brand they want to win and, and what an advantage for, but now who gets those five spots? You could do TV off that. You could do matches to earn those five spots. Right. And you could do like, I don't know how you can do it, but you can, you, know, you can do it. And all of a sudden that number 30 a gauntlet comes or something. Yeah. Who's going to get number 30? Like, you know, you could do various different things to get to that um, number 30 spot and make yep. it important. The only thing I, 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 one thing about a rumble, I, one of my favorite pay-per-views is I used to hate when they already announced who number one was, you know, like I want to do the anticipation, like yep. and even 30, but this, in this case though, you could do some great TV building to that spot. So I, I dig it. Yeah. That, I mean, there's different things. And as you said, I mean, they're so last minute with a lot of their creative stuff. So who knows if they'll ever reach that point where they can come up with something like that. I mean, that's something I would love to see, but um, you know, just winding down here. So also this Sunday is the other tanker kind of like his farewell honoring his 30th anniversary with the company. Um, is there anything in particular you want to see happen there at Survivor Series with the Undertaker? I mean, I'm guessing he's going to actually show up. I mean, there's different ways you can handle it. It could be just a traditional, like, oh, goodbye. He says a few things. It's all about the entrance for him. And waves goodbye. That's it. Maybe the highlight packages from various superstars of his peers saying some good words. Or who knows? I mean, it's he never officially quits, so maybe someone attacks him and that could set up a WrestleMania match at some point. I don't know. I just at this point, I just want him to hang it up and call it a day. Like I, I'm just like enough's enough. Just let the man just enjoy retirement at his age. But is there anything in particular you might be looking for in particular with the Undertaker's appearance here? I loved his documentary series, The Last Ride. I thought that was really great, really compelling. Yeah. It also felt like a storyline to me. Like I don't, I don't. Well, one is pro wrestling, and no one ever really retires, right? Yeah. yeah. Unless you're like Jack Briscoe or something like that. But like, <laughs> but, but I would like to see him come out and do the. It'd be cool if he came out with his old 1990 Survivor Series gear with the gray, like absolutely, old, and just kind of like do the hat thing where he's gonna put it in the, put it in the middle of the ring and do the retirement. He's gonna do the he kneels down and does the the, the eyes roll back. And all of a sudden, the fiend jumps out of the ring and attacks him and beats yeah. him up. And I still think there's one more match. I think he's not going to. I mean, as much as I loved, surprisingly, I love the Boneyard match, which just is just a hit. It was a it was a blessing and a curse because all of a sudden, all next you know, all these cinematic matches are starting happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of them were missing the mark. Um, but uh, I I know that was a great match, but I just can't see him ending on that. Right? <laughs> he, I just he, can't. Well, I was going to say he needs a farewell in front of an actual audience, a WrestleMania size audience. So I just I said this on an episode a couple weeks ago. I think this is just phase one of his goodbye ceremony, the yeah. process. Something's going to happen here. I mean, maybe it'll lead into a WrestleMania appearance at whatever capacity next year. But maybe in L.A. he gets the official send off. If at that point, we'll, you know, we'll have like 70, 80,000, how many people he can hold in that, in that new stadium down there in L.A. But he can walk out, say goodbye. Maybe the whole Hall of Fame ceremony is dedicated to him. Yeah. 
maybe yeah. on Raw the next night, kind of like a Ric Flair type of uh, farewell party, where everyone in the ring celebrate. I mean, like I said, this, I think it's just step one of multiple phases of his farewell yeah. or retirement. Like, I would like to see um, him versus The Fiend at WrestleMania, this WrestleMania, and I like to see when, hopefully, guys, everything works out, and this is... You know, 2022, one more match in front of a full capacity crowd in L.A. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see with A.J. Yeah. He, he's a great dance partner like that with his age, his knees yeah. and his hands and everything. And A.J. is such a tremendous talent. And uh, I was really looking forward to the match before the pandemic. And I just wanted to see what A.J. could do to really bring out a great match with The Undertaker. And I still I know he's the guy to do it. And but I think it's okay to wait till next, you know, to, to 2022 for that. And but yeah. this year, hey, the Fiend and Undertaker, I always want to see that. You can even have the Fiend go over, right? Yeah. And you know, because Fiend needs something because you know the whole thing is that Rollins didn't really do him any favors, and yeah. ever since then he's been hit and miss with stuff. So um, and he's such a great character too. What a great look, and you know, the, I really enjoy like his whole presentation. So yeah. I think a win over the Undertaker would be beneficial for him at this point. So love it, love hearing that. Well, John, I know we've been going at it for a long time, internet. I know we had a whole like separate uh, list of AEW relates, but I think <laughs> let's save that for you know uh, next week or whenever you have some free time. Because like like I said, your tweets about AEW recently was very eye opening, and I learned some stuff from you. So I was like, man, this is. Uh, uh, I, I think it deserves to be recorded and documented and, and having a full-blown discussion about it just because AEW, like you, I, I want it to succeed and do very well. But there are some little little things and details and stories that I'm like, after reading what you said, I'm like, oh, that's true. That's kind of a little bit of uh, 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 you know, eye, you know, uh, eye-opening uh, realization there. So, no, a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, this was so much fun and... Uh, I'd uh, love to have you on very soon. And uh, um, yeah, please just tell all the clicksters out there, where can people find you online and, um, you know, remind people about uh, your Survivor Series 96 episode. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at LaRockaJL. Um, and uh, we'll be, uh, we'll be, well, we'll have an episode this Friday for Fight Game uh, Podcast talking about our AEW NXT nights. And, our, and then on Mondays we come back, I'll be back on there with our WWE Saturday Night Review. And then, for the week of uh, our Thursday night show, normal Thursday night, Friday morning show, that's when we do our review of Survivor Series 1996. And after re-watching that show, and it's been a while, yeah. it's amazing what a kickoff point, like you said, not just Austin, but Rocky Maivia debuts, right? Yeah. And hey. also, the kickoff of Shawn Michaels turning heel because he was booed out of the building in Mass Square Garden versus Sid Vicious. Yes. And I thought, oh my, there's another thing that kicked off Shawn Michaels' heel run. And that's what's, you know, Shawn and Austin leading to that, right? So a lot of things got things going in motion for WWE at the time. So uh, it's a very historic event. Yeah, absolutely. And Madison Square Garden. And dude, there's just so much to, uh, yeah, talk about in that episode or that pay per view. So I love it. So, yes, encourage everyone out there to subscribe to the Fight Game Podcast. Uh, like you say, great work there. And that, like I said, this was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, you, it sounds like you and I could talk for forever, but uh, we're both busy guys. So uh, no, like I said, thank you again for making the time and looking forward to doing this again real soon. Oh, my pleasure, man. I can't wait to come back. Awesome. So on that note, let's go ahead and go home for tonight and wrap things up. And that's the bottom line because we said so. <laughs>